get fast in-home Wi-Fi that you can control with Xfinity XFi. See who's online, pause your Wi-Fi, or even set a curfew for the kids. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Got that? Hey. Yeah, it kind of helps if I unmute the mic there, John. There we go. <laughs> uh, good morning. <laughs> Gotta love the live show. Every you, time something happens, I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're here in Fort where Worth. Is, where is Jeff when you need him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're here in Fort Worth. This is the Gut Check Project, episode number 18. I'm Eric Rieger with your host, Dr. Ken Brown. What's happening today? What's going on? Episode number 18. We're already up to it. This is uh, fantastic. We're having some great responses. I'm even like bumping into people that are looking us up and saying, hey, that's a good show. Gut Check Project can now vote. We are 18. Wait, no, that's 18 years. Not quite there. Yeah, anyway, not quite there. Uh, lovemytummy.com. Just go ahead and knock that off the bag. Lovemytummy.com forward slash Spoonie. Check that out if you would like to get your own Autron Teal. And the reason why I'm moving so quickly today is because we've got some studies to get to. We've got an incredible guest from an industry that we don't always get to represent on the show. That, of course, is going to be Travis Page. Yes, we have Travis Page on. He is a drug rep, but he's also very interesting. We're going to talk about a lot of different topics, but we're not going to talk specifics of anything. No. It is going to be a general, just pharma thing. We're not going to get him in trouble. No. His generic company will not be brought up. His generic drug won't. It's going to be really neutral. So there you go, Travis. Yeah, Travis, will. we will not reveal his company. And I even asked him if I could rhyme it with other words. <laughs> he said no. And I have a whiteboard. I was like, I'm just going to hold it up with yeah. a sign. And yeah. It, he, he said it won't, won't happen. Can't yeah. do it. So that's, but we're going to talk about a lot of other stuff. But one of the things I do want to talk about is the stories that you've had being a drug wreck, the stories that I've had through the years in training and what's gone on and how the drug industry has changed and like this, the regulations that have been in place. So it's a wild thing because I didn't realize as a young person going to the doctor with my parents, what, uh, why in our small town of Gainesville, occasionally there was somebody in a three piece suit sitting amongst all of the people in the, in the waiting room. And they always seemed to be holding pamphlets and couldn't wait to get in. And they didn't have to have their name on the list and they would go back. But a lot of things have changed since those days and the way that uh, pharmaceutical representatives have to become educated, how they represent to the physicians, how they support the physicians with their staff, their patients, et cetera. So there's, there's a lot to get into. And of course, there's lots of, uh, there's lots of funny stories that go along with becoming <laughs> a, uh, a pharmaceutical rep. But you have some big news. And the big news happens to be in conjunction with the KBMD Health Box. And before we forget, I wanted you to touch on the feedback that you got this last week, and then what you have coming out, because there's a little, there's actually an updated change. So we did the box opening last week with the KBMD Health Box. Uh, this is a really exciting thing. This is, you know, a brand new venture for us and for Member Box, and they've done an amazing job. And I've had some great feedback from my patients, and we're going to make big difference. So in that unboxing, that was a primary gut box. Yesterday we sat with Sarah Jean, and we're building next month's box, and we're making it even better. Because more vendors are allowing their products to be part of Member Box, you can build your own box once you get going. This is really exciting. I want to personally change the healthcare landscape naturally and allow people to really start changing things about themselves. It's pretty awesome because some of the feedback that we got from our patient just yesterday that was scoped who received her first box, and she said, this is amazing. I don't have to guess anymore. 
And I thought that was really awesome to have yet another new element of a patient testimony that says, this is helping me be healthier and I'm saving money. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing about the box is once you realize that there was that study that came out that showed 79% of the stuff that you're buying at big box stores yeah. or, you know, Walgreens GNC, they, that article came out where it showed that it did not have on the label what was actually in the capsules. So we took the liberty of going, okay, you look at things like examine.com, consumer labs, and you make sure that things are third party tested. And then you realize, okay, what studies have been done that have actually shown that, oh, for instance, turmeric does do this, or Atrantil can help in different ways. We've got the science to back it, and we vetted the products, and you're able to get it at a huge discount. So this particular box, $147. For some people, that's, that's out of range, but a lot of people are already spending $250, $300 on supplements, and you may just be throwing it away. So $147, you are going to get over $250 worth of vetted supplements. One of the really exciting things is one of my patients, her husband uh, passed away of Alzheimer's disease right? and she, uh, he was an artist. And so she took uh, his original art and she's made cards for um, basically blank cards, thank you cards, old school. Remember, yeah. like instead of just texting somebody, hey, thanks, that was awesome. You can actually write, mm-hmm. thank you for doing whatever. Well, on the back of it, all the proceeds go to the Alzheimer's Foundation. So we're going to put that in everybody's box. Um, so our office purchased all of her cards, and we're going to put that in the box. And I just want – it's, it's an opportunity to, to share that message. Uh, there's diseases like Alzheimer's, which are really devastating, and people need to be, re- be reminded of it. And this is original art that's being sent. So re- it's really neat that everybody's starting to interact going, hey, we can put this in your box. I'm like, that's awesome. Thank you. That is awesome, and if you've ever wanted to go and use a physician's recommendation as you move through the aisles of where, what supplements actually work, which brands are the ones that I can trust, and which ones can I save money on to accomplish all of the things that I want to to supplement my own health, that's what the KBMD Box is all about. So kbmdbox.com will direct you to where you can learn more. You'll see a video of Dr. Brown unboxing the first month's box. That'll be replaced here pretty soon when we basically update and and, uh, unpack month number two, which would be very similar to one, but always have small little tweaks just to basically improve your health. And uh, you can join and you can pause at any time. Or you can go to the, you can go to the, the member store and build more. You can build. You can definitely build more. You can member box is getting more and more products in there. And really, and it's all, you know, what I want to do is build a box. It's based on science. Speaking of one of our people that had the member box sent me an article this morning that I normally would, we're going to go to personal stuff here. Yeah. But remember you can go to lovemytummy.com slash spoonie and get a big discount on Atron Teal. And you're wondering, okay, well I don't have bloating or anything like that. This article was just sent to me about 15 minutes ago. Um, and the article is anthocyanins protect the gastrointestinal tract from high fat diet induced alterations, blah, wind, burial, integrity, dysbiosis, really fancy. Uh-huh. These are the molecules they're talking about, right? Anthocyanidins. And what they did is they looked at mice and they fed them a typical high sugar, high fat American diet. And they demonstrated that when they did this, that the mice became fat, they had insulin resistance, they developed. Uh, steatosis, which is fat in the liver, and they showed dysbiosis, so the bacteria got screwed up, and leaky gut. Then they gave the mice the same molecules that we have in Atrantil, fed them the same diet, and it started to reverse all that process. 
So the science that's coming out on this is so fascinating. So if you don't, if you're not taking Atrantil right now, uh, because you're, you're not bloated, you might want to do it if you're eating a typical American diet, at least on this small animal study. So that's, and that's in the box and that's one of the main ingredients. Well, that's only one more facet in terms of what Atrantil or just straight poly, Atrantil or not. It's really what polyphenols can do to enhance or protect you and your health. So now we know that it works well for gut. Now we know that uh, with uh, Dr. Botel's research from the UK, from Exeter, that polyphenols daily for athletes actually improves performance and tissue perfusion from, from blood flow. And of course, you slow down your recovery time. All of that comes from polyphenols, not to mention making your endogenous or your, your normal CBD, your, your normal uh, cannabidiols that you have in your body work more efficiently. There's just benefits to having polyphenols in your daily diet. So we built this box as a gut health box. Right. But when you start looking at the science, you got the polyphenols for performance. You've got the megaspore to increase the diversity of your bacteria so that they can actually use the food that you're bringing in. And then the little thing that we talked about before was trucy. That's the micronized hydrogen to improve your VO2 max, meaning that you can actually have better oxygenation. These are all studies that have just recently come out. And then, of course, you get a big steep discount on KBMD CBD oil. So yes, it's exclusive to everybody who's a KBMD box member, no doubt. Yeah, almost all of my patients are on Atrantil plus uh, the KBMD CBD because the molecules in Atrantil augment your own endogenous endocannabinoids, or in other words, your own CBD that your body produces. And of course, Taking CBD is like a, an insurance policy against the world because it uh, really gets you back to balance with your immune system and your nervous system. Speaking of CBD, so I've tweaked my back in the past, uh, several years ago, a few years ago. And then unfortunately, just this last weekend, Gage was up playing uh, basketball up in uh, Kansas and I went up to watch him and uh, I decided to go engage in a workout and I lifted incorrectly. I knew better. But it's a it's a it's a routine uh, workout that I normally do. But you saw was this, me. Was this Ronnie Coleman, six hundred pounds front um, squat? I did five fifty. Five fifty. Okay. I just want to take it easy. Just be safe. <laughs> <laughs> but no, truthfully, it wasn't that much uh, weight. But what I did is I put myself in a in a uh, compromising angle that I don't normally do. Isn't the equipment that I usually use, and I knew better. But regardless, I did get a small spasm in my lower back. Usually, in the past, it would take five, sometimes seven days to really get more mobility. Well, that, that, uh, injury, I guess it's a small injury occurred Sunday and you saw me pushing beds yesterday up at the endo center and I'm not a hundred percent, but the only difference that I have now that I didn't have the last time I hurt my back from lift is that I take Ultron Teal daily and I take CBD now. And I think that the level of inflammation that I experienced is less now it's anecdotal it's just me but i feel great today well as soon as you feel totally 100 mm -hmm. let's go back to that same gym do the exact same exercise injure yourself but mm -hmm. don't take either that way we have a control group and we have a treatment group you took the words right out of my mouth that's exactly what i want to do is drive back to wichita kansas just to do that <laughs> The people of Wichita are are lovely and nice. It has nothing to do with that. It's just five hours from here to get there, so it's a uh, it's a long round trip. Looks like you got a haircut. I did get a haircut, and uh, yeah, several of them cut. 
It's several of them. Yeah. It looks like a fancy place. Weren't you talking to the person that was chopping your hair? I was. Uh, the uh, the hairstylist, that's what you, you call a woman that cuts your hair, I guess. The hairstylist was cutting my hair, and she asked me, hey, you're sitting kind of funny in the chair. And I said, well, I actually just kind of stretched my back a little bit, kind of tweaked it, but I'm getting better. And then she went on to tell me a story about uh, she had been rear-ended by a large truck that had wrecked into her car on, on Interstate 35 Oof. in Denton. And um, it took her about eight months to get back to where she could hold her arms up to cut hair and then, you know, work a comb and the scissors and without feeling fatigued and lots of pain. So I asked her, I said, what all worked? And she said, well, I did a few things that uh, the, the pain doc recommended that I do. I did stretches. But what made the biggest difference for me is when I found a CBD that I could trust and that I could take. But the hardest part. Did she try several? She tried several. Yeah, I hear this all the time. She said the hardest part was finding one that was reputable that she could depend on that didn't break her wallet. So the one that worked the best was running her a little over $135 a month. And she said it didn't always make it to the end of the month, even though she was following the instructions on there. I let her talk and it was almost like she just walked straight into what, you know, what it is that you do. And so I just asked her, so well, would it have made a difference if you had had a physician that said, I recommend this CBD because it works clinically for my patients and here's why. And she said, I would have done it in a heartbeat. I said, what if I could have told you that it would have been about half the cost of the $135 brand that you were using? She said, well, obviously I would have saved money. I would have felt better. So I told her about KBMD and she, she went straight to it and ordered some. So it's, it's, it's really kind of cool that we've removed the access of the cost and the, the worry of, is this legitimate CBD? And so, and everybody's talking about it and there's the, the waters are being really muddied right now sure. because it's, uh, there's people, there's essential oil companies that are now trying to add CBD. There's everybody's trying to put it in different things and people are ordering it off Amazon, which right now you're getting hemp seed oil. You're not even getting CBD. Right. There's lots of mislabeling. And so I think it's really important to have something you can trust. Same thing that you're doing when you're buying a supplement, you want to make sure that your CBD is, is of quality. Something cool happened as long as we're on the topic of that. Yeah. Um, yesterday I, I, I like to get this uh, Greek salad and turkey patties from, from Kenny's burger, which is right by my Right by my office. It's a tasty Kenny's burger. <laughs> um, Chef Eric said that he was going to come on the show one day, so I'm going to hold him to it here pretty soon. Oh, nice. But I was uh, I was actually talking to some people, some uh, somewhat regulars there, and somebody said, hey, I Googled you, and I found you this show. And I went, oh my gosh, that's awesome. You actually found the show, because you Google me as a doctor, but finding the show is kind of a cool thing. Sure. And she goes, tell me more about the CBD. And then it just immediately started this whole discussion and about the CBD. We started talking about it. And then it went sideways, because... She goes, what are you going to talk about tomorrow? I'm like, that's a great thing. I'm over here looking at different articles I'm going to look at. I'm like, there's a real interesting one that just came out about a, a fecal microbial transplant is not effective in irritable bowel. I forget that I'm at a restaurant. Yeah, you said that in Kinnings. Yeah, out loud. Yeah, you're a classy guy. <laughs> real classy. It's like a record <laughs> stopped and everybody just kind of went, what? Yeah. And then I had to explain the article. I'm like, well, well, well. so... You take one person's poop, <laughs> you slurry it up, and you put it in. They're like, you're I, not I'm, helping. I'm, I'm sorry, Dr. Brown. Could you please leave the stage now and the yeah. restaurant, please? Yeah. I know. I was like, well, I, mm, yeah, okay. I'm just, because it doesn't get any better. I mean, I can go into detail about how they actually did it, which is 
what I'm going to do later, maybe. Yeah. But uh, don't do it in a restaurant. No, does it not, does it not sell more burgers? It's, it's weird. <laughs> I know. Chef Eric kind of came out and was like, uh, yeah, let's just move you back in the corner over there. Yeah. Let's let everybody else eat their burgers. No need to wash your hands. I'm going to solve IBS. Yeah, I get it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. We talked about CBD. Um, they found us uh, just by Googling, and then I got put in a corner because I have a potty mouth. Yeah, so. it's okay. Well, yeah, it was a potty subject. So, <laughs> well, hey, uh, just a real, real quick reminder for all of our listeners be sure to like and share the Gut Check Project and then shoot us an email at gutcheckproject.com uh, under uh, connect or contact. Let us know that you liked and shared. We've got hundreds of people over the last few weeks. So, we are still going to give away the signature protection package, which is a combination of Atron Teal and KBMD CBD month supply direct from yours truly, Dr. Brown. So uh, where are we on the uh, research topic for this week? Did you have something you want to tackle before uh, Travis hops on or did you want to save it for? No, I'll save it for a little bit. I wanted to get more into, tell me what happened with the family. Let's get back. Did you oh, you yeah. were in Wichita with Gage. Yeah, How did well, it go? That was great. It was his last big tournament as a uh, as a high schooler before he starts high school ball. They've got, I think they have one more tournament for the rest of the summer, but they went to what they call a great American shootout. Uh, it, it's basically huge, huge basketball for kids who are in high school. Lots of college coaches come and, and they watch. And he'd done it the weekend before down in, in South Dallas and Duncanville. And uh, their matchups up in up in Kansas were were great. I mean, they, they were challenged. They ended up uh, finishing two and two. Uh, one team they had faced twice that they beat once and then they lost two later. And, uh, but it, it was, it's so good for the development of this program for them to have that kind of, that kind of, of setup. And it's, it puts them into a real game environment and uh, the boys worked hard. So it was, it was a lot of fun and it's always good to, to get out of town with any family member where you're kind of forced to, to sit in the car, talk, come up with funny subjects, laugh. Uh, so it's, you know, I'm, I'm uh, really fortunate with both my kids to, have good road trips. Exactly. And and you guys are sitting there talking. You know, he's not on his phone. You know, no. Which you see that a lot where they put the <laughs> iPad in the back and everything, you know. So we do the same. Like whenever we do road trips, it's you realize, because you know me, I hate to drive. Yes. But I have kind of grown a little more fond of it because you get to sit there and talk. Yeah. You have undivided attention. Well, my back was hurt then uh, on the way back. So Gage, Gage was kind of forced to drive and I couldn't even look down and look at my phone. So it was perfect. <laughs> but now we had a great trip. And then uh, Marie actually stayed in town because our youngest son, he had a basketball tournament. But here's the crazy thing. You know that I live in a small town or just outside a small town of 5,000 people. Marie uh, was a part of this new concert series that happens in Decatur that they were just now starting to implement. And uh, they had a large music act by the name of Stoney LaRue who came to downtown Decatur. We only have 5,000 and change that claim that they live in Decatur proper. They had over 6,000 people on the square just to watch this one. Just to watch this. That's so awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. They did a great job of promoting it and bringing everybody downtown. So it's it's like a lot of, of Americana. They're kind of trying to revitalize the old square and to bring the community together. So they did a great job of pulling some people downtown. That's awesome. That's yeah, pretty sweet. So what about you and the kids? Well, okay. So last week's show, I said that both kids were playing in Florida for Clay, for Clay Court Nationals. Right. And so I, Carla had just, like, I think the day that we were doing the show, she had just lost the day before. So she was out. Um, Lucas actually ended up doing real, real good. He got sixth place. Out of 256 of the best national tennis players in Jeez. the country, and he was the youngest, which is you know proud of him. And um, 
What was really cool is that Carla was there the whole time, mm-hmm. but she's good enough now that she can warm Lucas up. So she was Lucas's warm-up partner. Nice. So, yeah. So I thought that was really, really cool. And so last night, so they came in on Sunday, and um, last night uh, they started asking me about the show, which I, I think is really, is really kind of fun. So Carla goes, you know, what are you going to say about me tomorrow? And I'm like, I don't know. It's a good point. I haven't been with you in a week. She's like, I warmed Lucas up. So I'm like, okay, there you go. <laughs> Carla, that is something I could not do. Lucas, no. don't ask me to do that. No, no, you, no. It's impossible. The balls just fly by. And then um, Lucas, I thought that was pretty cool. He goes, remember how last week you were talking about how the weeds grow everywhere? Yeah. And, and he goes, I found a YouTube channel called uh, Great Big Story. It's just random stuff, but it's really well done. It's got like 4 million subscribers or whatever. Okay. There was a story on that he said, talk about this. I thought it was so interesting. Um, and we'll get, I want to get Chef Patrick's take on a couple of these things, but it is a Harvard law professor mm-hmm. who dropped out or just quit after practicing law, just said, nah, I'm kind of done with this, became a forager, so to speak. Really? She became a weed expert. Okay. And she just goes around, collects weeds, and she takes them to the finest Michelin star rated restaurants in New York City, where these chefs do amazing thing with weeds. And remember last week we were talking about the fact that these weeds grow, they they have more seeds, they grow in inhospitable environments, they have all these different... Sure. We're probably looking at a lot of food that we could be dabbling in, but um, I'm not encouraging everybody to run out and start eating everything in your yard. Yeah, remember the, remember the story of Into the Wild, right? The uh, Alexander Supertramp who happened to uh, eat something, I think it was bear garlic instead of the wild garlic, which was listed on the same page of the book, and he ended up dying in a school bus in the, the wilderness of Alaska. But Did you ever see that movie? Yeah, I saw that movie. The book yeah. is really great, actually. Yeah, it's uh, they made interesting a, They book. made a book out of that? Well, I think they had the book, and actually it was an article in Outdoor Magazine, and then it was became a book, and then it became the movie, but um, yeah. Besides what was, that, what was that weed that you said that you've <laughs> that, that, that you read about? Okay, so yeah, there's so many edible plants, but I mean, a lot of them require special preparation. There's one in Texas called Polk Salad, and um, it's kind of like a silver dollar weed. The problem is, you have to boil it like five times: boil it, drain it, boil it, drain it, boil it, drain it before it doesn't make you sick, and it ends up just being another boiled green. But my question is always, how do you get to that point? I mean, how many children did you make sick before? Oh, got to boil it one more time. You know, Jimmy got sick. Jill's sick. Well, let's try Jack next. You boil it one more time, drain it and, and try it again. I never kind of, I never, it's like blowfish. How many sailors on one ship died before one got figured out how to cut it correctly? Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's probably uh, an act of desperation just to find out what you, I mean, at some point, you're kind of forced. You, you do, yeah. I mean, and, and foraging is a big thing now. Um, I've been uh, mushrooming, you know, wild, hunting wild mushrooms. and I know people. Oh, it's, yeah. it's actually, it's, it's awesome, but it's really scary because I don't know, you know, well, Adam had- from Eve when it comes to mushrooms. On one of the episodes, we had Cooper Reed on, yeah, Cooper. and so we did a whole episode on how to identify mushrooms, how they grow. I, yeah, that's fascinating to me. But the mycologists, I mean, I don't know how in the world they can get that confident. Like, I think you could study and study and study, but then suddenly you're out on your own going, uh, yeah, that one's pretty good. Hey, uh, Billy, why don't you try that and make sure that's pretty good? You know, what's cool is, um, uh, is morels have not, there's no other mushroom that looks like them that's poisonous. So you want to hunt mushrooms? Be sure to learn how to identify morel mushroom and forget the rest. And at 80 bucks a pound, it's better than shopping for them. Where do you find morel mushrooms? Uh, well, um, all over the place. Uh, Texas, not so much. North Texas, maybe. 
far north Texas, Arkansas, Missouri. Um, did you which, did you know that a lot of Texas mushrooms? Okay, do y'all remember the super collider that they were mm-hmm. going to build? Oh yeah. So the the tunnels that they began to build uh, around uh, here in North Texas, of course, they didn't complete it. But there's these gigantic tunnels. Well, they had to make they they made use of them, and they they cultivate and grow tons of the mushrooms that you get in your grocery stores in the old oh, you're kidding. super collider tunnels. Yes. It's really awesome. They that is them, awesome. That, that is very cool. Talk I about that. I did not know that. Yeah, gigantic Great way to trays. repurpose that. They walk them in on like these big wheels. And I mean, it's like the perfect dank, no sunlight environment for white mushrooms. Oh, ever since, ever since that episode, I've become so intrigued by mushrooms. There's even a Netflix special that I watched about mushrooms and how prolific they are and i mean all the things they could do you know i mean as you know i'm a big fan of all the research going on with psilocybin right the but, micronutrients um, in, in mushrooms are, are you know we can't get them from from any other sources amazing a lot of them. yeah it is amazing was that a half hour i'm looking at the time i'm like oh this is unbelievable <laughs> and we yeah this is unbelievable okay so coming up next generic travis from the generic page family talking generic about pharmaceutical nothing. genericism genericism there's 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 it's all so generic it's we're going to teach you how to be so generic that you will be invisible you'll generically laugh your ass off all right see you in a moment if you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs listen to me you don't know me and we'll never meet I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your Dish-authorized retailer now. 800-570-6630. 800-570-6630. That's 800-570-6630. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Fast Track Student Loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. Welcome back to the Gut Check Project. We are now joined with Mr. Travis Page. Travis Page is the generic pharmaceutical representative that we've brought on, correct? That's correct. Okay, now we've just gotten legal permission to show his face. 
So okay. I know if we could do that. <laughs> That's good. Well, he's not he's not that generic. He's got some other cool stuff going on. That's how you and I originally met. You had these you had these cattle. They weren't doing anything that that they were supposed to. And I said, "Well, go ahead and tell me the breed." And he goes, "Well, they're they're called Corriente." And I'm like, "They're Mexican cattle." Dude, yo puedo hablar español. <laughs> so I went to yeah, I went to his ranch and uh, I had a little I had a little discussion. I was like, oh yeah, mira, este, este hombre aquí es muy bueno. With the cows, and that's how we got him in line. He's like, I never thought about speaking Spanish. To I don't him, speak Spanish, but they're Mexican cows. Yeah, I needed you to come over and help me out with yeah, that. Yeah, so <laughs> once we once we got him in line, and I was like, hey, I got a great idea. I helped you. Why don't you? Uh, come to my office and bring lunch occasionally he said yeah <laughs> oh that that's how that works yeah that's, that's all right. right yeah that's really all there is i mean some almost uh 90s what is what'd you say 97 percent of pharmaceutical reps started in the cattle industry oh that is uh it's much lower than that actually oh, okay so yeah. never mind it was, <laughs> yeah. was way off it's much we're really that. bad with stats and math and stuff on this show <laughs> Well, we get now that we have somebody from the uh, from the pharmaceutical industry, we kind of wanted to have uh, Travis kind of weigh in on some of the articles that we're going to discuss today in the in the uh, science corner from uh, Dr. Brown. So let's. Uh, so yeah, I've got it. Yeah, normal. What uh, Travis? What I'll do sometimes is I'll take a really kind of a cutting edge article and take a deep dive. But there's several different studies that pertain to our previous shows, so I just want to kind of gloss over it. I'm gonna. I'm going to let Travis decide which one we're going to talk about first. Oh. All nice. right. So. This is very important, Travis. Oh, you mean just pick one of those pages you're holding, or are you going to give actually, me some kind of description first? Actually, do you want to hear about the tie between the gut microbiome and a potential way to help people with ALS? Hmm. Amylotrophic lateral sclerosis, or otherwise known as Lou Gehrig's disease? That is choice number yes. one. Choice number one. Choice number two, would you like to hear the previously discussed Kenny's Restaurant poop transplant story? (laughs) Choice number two. Choice number two. Or choice number three, um, out of a Canadian university, they've been able to identify and produce molecules in the, the hemp plant that are actually 30 times stronger than aspirin for anti-inflammatory. Now you heard Eric talking about his back. Could be that that CBD was doing something real nice, and we may have the molecules. Three. So this this is actually more of a personality test for you to see where you actually land and where where your mind you. is. <laughs> Generic Travis, yeah. your job is on the line. Yeah, I I I feel like if it's a personality test, the number two with the poop. Would be like a bad decision, <laughs> right? So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Choice one with the gut biome ALS. Ooh, gut biome nice. ALS. So a study right. just came out here where they looked at the motor neuron disease ALS. Um, what they have found is that there is a clue that this horrible condition. And we had Brandon Brown on last, last week, week yeah. where his dad died of it. We went into a lot of detail about the just slow progression of it. And, and you know, we've had other people call in that have a- actually dealt with this. So this is what killed Stephen Hawking. Um, They have linked changes in the microbiome that live in our gut. So they have discovered that uh, microbiome will secrete, a proper microbiome will secrete nicotinamide, a vitamin B3. And this appears to slow the course of motor neuron disease by improving the function of the muscle controlling neurons in the brain. Now, this is uh, pretty exciting because this is the first time they've been able to show how the microbiome will produce a neuroprotective 
molecule. And what they showed is, is that they took some mice and gave them antibiotics and they no longer produce that. Hmm. So when we start destroying and dropping bombs and not feeding our microbiome, we don't produce this. So nicotinamide, you may, this may seem familiar to you because we were working with the guys um, that produce nicotinamide, uh, ribonucleic acid, uh, which is a precursor of this. So basically what happens is nicotinamide uh, gets converted to, to something called NAD+, and this converts food into energy, it repairs DNA, and it helps the circadian rhythm. So all these things. Eventually, I want to try and get some NAD in our box. Sure. But uh, it's pretty exciting because, once again, it comes back to the gut can affect your brain. We're all about the gut-brain access here. And so that one's kind of exciting. And we should all think before we just go, oh, take these antibiotics. Take these antibiotics. I'm going to eat this crappy food because you're kind of doing some neural protection every time you eat polyphenols, every time you um, improve the diversity of your microbiome. Yeah, without so. question. I mean, I think that you can look at, there's two inputs to your brain and, and its health. One is the obvious. It's what you're doing to learn and keep your, your mind active. But the other thing is just plain and simple. The rest of your body has to get nutrition from somewhere. And the only way to get it is to eat. And what you eat is going to matter. So. And we've just shown time and time again that the typical Western American um, preservative filled diet the the pre-processed food it's just destroying our health it really is i mean we're seeing an epidemic of autoimmune disease and everything else which is why i think everyone has an endocannabinoid deficiency we always talk about this there's the gastrointestinal system the cardiovascular system neurologic system we all have an endocannabinoid system i want to be the first board certified endocannabinologist out there i, I think i can because i'll have to form the whole genre and i'll just certify myself immediately yeah, it's going to be an interesting residency for sure. <laughs> it will be really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so speaking of that, the other study we're going to talk about, which is these guys figured out these two molecules, canaflavin A, canaflavin B. What's interesting to me about this is that they are flavonoids. So in a full spectrum hemp, these are the polyphenols, which are also with CBD. Everybody talks about CBD. Mm -hmm. Nobody's talking about all the other molecules that come along with it. We talk about the terpenes, which are the essential oils, and we talk about the flavonoids, which are the polyphenols. Right. And what they showed is these um, canflavin A and B, they provide the anti-inflammatory benefit of taking a full-spectrum hemp. Interesting. And they showed, they didn't show, this is what's even more interesting, they implied that um, they showed that these different molecules are 30 times more effective than taking aspirin by blocking prostaglandins prostaglandins is part of the arachidonic uh, acid pathway okay yeah so just for those who may not be completely aware of the arachidonic acid pathway you start with the prostaglandin and it moves down i think it's either level one or level two you get into the cyclooxygenase or the cox enzyme correct correct and that's where aspirin and those other NSAIDs would work so basically you're saying that a natural flavonoid will stop or or prevent that uh that progression down that pathway earlier correct exactly so. this is patrick he has just entered the studio he's touching things and uh <laughs> it's very very oh he's, he's he's adjusting the camera sorry to get uh -huh. derailed there so so what's really interesting about this is that there's you know there's big business i mean back when i was a resident let's talk about pharma here for a second the people throwing the money at us 
were um, the COX two inhibitors. Sure. Uh, who I can't remember who they were, but they got they got pulled off because they were, they realized they were causing heart attacks and stuff like that. Vi- Vioxx. Vioxx. Yeah. Was that one of them? Is that one of them? I don't know. But anyways, so just to finish up this article, um, it was really interesting because I was like, wow, this is so cool. And then I went, oh, these guys didn't discover this. In fact, it was discovered in 1985 that these molecules did this. What they did is they discovered the enzyme to produce it. So they want to start manufacturing just these two molecules and they probably want to make it a drug. Sure. Like they want to do. So this is interesting because we talk all the time that the full spectrum allow mother nature to do her thing. So no offense to the pharma industry, but frequently they'll find something go, Oh, there's the molecule doing this. Then they'll manufacture it and hope that it works just as well as in mother nature. But we see it time and time again that it doesn't, you need everything in there to do it. And I did have some fun with this because I went on Reddit and looked at somebody. Um, I recently discovered Reddit about three months ago. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just started. Reddit's yeah. brand new. <laughs> I know. I'm like, have you guys heard about this Reddit thing? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's super cool. What did you do? What did you find out? Modems. You're gonna love them. <laughs> I know. I had a um, quick side note. The um, I, <laughs> I go on. I go on Reddit. Funny. Um, it's a pretty good way to start your day. Just to look at. And it was a. Uh, <laughs> it was a cop arresting a high, a really high kid. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know what happened before, but he goes. <laughs> the cop looks at him and just goes. I mean, like when they make fun of high people and they portray them in movies. You're it, man. He goes, <laughs> he goes, oh, man, thanks. And he goes, oh, this is front page of Reddit for sure. <laughs> the cop said it. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> so um, somebody wrote in basically what they were talking about is that um, it's been known for a long time that these uh, canaflavins A and B have been able to do this. And the study they were referring to was 1985. But it just kind of implies that this is, you know, the way things go. What's really cool about it is that there are potentially thousands of other molecules that we have not discovered in these plants. I mean, it's such a complex plant, which is why I think it does so many things. So that's article number two. Article number three is I get asked all the time by my patients um, about fecal transplants. And so you take somebody's poop, stick it in somebody else. And a lot of my SIBO patients, a lot of my irritable bowel patients always ask that. Randomized trial came to the conclusion that no, it's not any better than placebo. So there we go. Taking somebody else's poop does not help irritable bowel. Hey, just out of curiosity, that particular study, how big was it? And do, are you, uh, do you think the methods were enough for it to be just con- totally conclusive on that element? No, I'm sure it's not. And I don't remember. Let's see. I got off of that. Uh, how big was that? I'm only curious because we've seen in the past that sometimes you can. 175 people recruited. Okay. 75. Now, that being said, it's like all things. I mean, some, you know, other people would go ahead and critique this. So they, they took the capsules, the frozen poop capsules. Sure. Okay. So some would argue, is it, you know, is it actually working? If you take the frozen poop capsules, do you have to go in and do this? So do you remember, um, quick side note, we, a few years ago, we were interviewing, we had this um, Yale gastroenterology fellow. We took him out to uh, eat and he was considering joining us. And his research was on fecal microbial transplants. So taking mice. So what they would do is take a skinny mouse and a fat mouse and they would swap and see what happened. Or they took a fat mouse, give it to a skinny mouse. And they were showing that fat mice started to lose weight after getting the fecal transplant. And the skinny mice gained weight. So while he's telling us this, as you can see, I have a habit of talking about poop in restaurants. Yeah. Our waitress was like, what? (laughs) Hold on. Explain that. And um, he goes into more detail. He's like, yeah, we're going to publish this. And 
it's really exciting. She's like, he goes, you ever thought about how there are fat families? Is it genetics or are they sharing their poop? Once you live with somebody long enough, whether you like it or not, you're sharing poop. And it's just the, the living with somebody. And so she just goes, oh, my God, and looks over, and the water boy is like 6'4", 120, sopping wet. She goes, that just became the sexiest man in this restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did. So uh, so anyways, um, Brigham and Young University just came out where they actually did a fecal microbial transplant study on weight loss. They, they actually took humans, and so it was a small study, but it actually did not show that it improved the weight loss. I had a patient that did a microbial transplant from her sister, mm -hmm. and she ended up getting the same diseases as her sister, though. She developed acne and hypothyroidism and put on weight. It's really interesting, though, because I think that even you and I just, whenever that study first came out from Brigham Young, that was uh, that there probably are still some environmental or extrinsic controls that, uh, that probably weren't measured because did the fecal transplant actually have number one time to change the habits or the desires of the person who had it. I don't, I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of different facets whenever you're talking about essentially a human in the wild of the, uh, of Western civilization and, and all of the different offerings that you can have for food sources, et cetera. Yeah. Could be reversed. So a uh, thought from a generic pharma guy. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'm going to really have to not be digging my scene to ingest somebody else's poop. That's all I'm telling you. Seems like there would be a lot more negative than positive to that, right? Or well, no? well, I think that there's so much science coming out on the microbiome. We don't know what to do with it. And there's a lot of people who are really desperate. I think you're on an island. I think most people are totally into having someone else's poop. <laughs> do you think that? Well, I could be like wrong. Like if we took a poll? I don't know. It, this, <laughs> see, this is what, he brings up a good point. Maybe my sample size is way too small. Maybe I need to ask more people than just myself. Okay, that was a no pun intended, right? Your sample size? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone's picking up on what I'm putting Is down. Is like after El Phoenix on Friday? Or <laughs> <laughs> what, do, what do we got? <laughs> so obviously Travis does not work for a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, no, it's um, believe it or not, it's, it, it's a topic of a lot of scientific inquiry right now. Yeah. Microbial transplants, the microbiome, what's going on? I mean, this is people now, ever since the advent of the phone, I see more pictures of people's poop. I'm like, don't need to just keep it right there. Don't know. I, you can, I've got uh, good imagination. Uh, <laughs> I imagine. Now that, that is interesting though. And we do get asked about that quite a bit at the, uh, at the procedure clinic about what do you know about fecal transplants? But I think there's still tons left to discover if it's if well, and then so it's the breaks have been put on it because just recently that study came out oh, where yeah. two people died. Yeah, two people died from getting a fecal transplant because the there was a bacteria in it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, there's the negative outweighing the positive there, right? Because there's so much negative. I mean, it's waste, right? Right. Well, yeah. So technically, that's your. There's it has your microbiome and it has a lot of dead things. There's a ton of waste in it, and you know, poop is extremely complex. We don't really quite understand what to do with it or how to make it better, but we do know that your microbiome is your genome within your genome. We need to start treating that uh, accordingly. Give it what it wants. You start having a high processed food, high sugar food. You're going to have bacteria that are going to proliferate more. 
Yeah. And then we'll start sending signals to your brain to ask for more of that. So are you in control or is your bacteria in control of you? That's the interesting thing. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely is. Do we have any other? No, we're d- no, that's, that's, we did, we did technically four quick studies today. Cause, and they all just came out like right now. I, I gotta like commit to one and do a deep dive on it, but we were able to kind of cover the, cover the basis right there. Wow. That is quite a gamut. Well, Travis, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. So you were born in Carrollton, Texas, correct? Yes, sir. And currently now, and of course, we're all teasing, but we can't, or we've asked not uh, to totally reveal exactly what pharmaceuticals that you represent or which company that you're with, but that won't prevent us from talking about the journey to get to where you are now. Sure. So and well, let's, let's go ahead and clarify. I mean, we're making fun of it, but the reality is, is that the pharmaceutical industry has been under fire for the last you know decade or so that, oh, the, sure. that, that the regulations, what can be said, what you can be represented have really um, been ratcheted down. And so part of the fun I want to do today is talk about my journey as the doctor where there was just, it was n- no limit. Free for all. It was a free for all yeah. to now where you're like, no, you can't say anything and I can't bring you anything and we can't do anything and everything's under tight regulations. Oh, it's morphed a lot. I mean, Definitely over the last three decades, it's probably not a recognizable profession what it was 30 years ago compared to what it is now. Yeah. So there's a there's a guy that uh, that I worked with uh, on the primary care side uh-huh. that uh, it, we'll just call him AZ Al. Right. And he was 60 something years old. He'd been through he'd made it through like eight different layoffs over the, the course of his career. Right. I mean, just could not kill this guy. And he was a fixture every Wednesday. He's in this particular office. Right. And, uh, you know, just asking him and talking to him about what the industry was like 30 years ago when he came into it. I mean, you know, I, I, I missed out on, on all of that. Right. right? And, uh, you know, it's, it's the only sales job really that I can think of where it's not okay to take your customer to dinner or uh, take your customer out for a drink or out to play golf or, or whatever the scenario might be. I mean, you know, one of my best friends, his, his family owns a PVC pipe manufacturing company, right? They live on that. They live on entertaining their customers. I mean, it's expected, right? right. And uh, Isn't that funny? Because doctors now are so scared, especially yeah. what's happened to some hospitals, doctor-owned hospitals and stuff, that <laughs> if, you own a, if you do anything in medicine, I do not want... I do not want to take any money from you. I do not want to. I feel like a like a high level college recruit. Yeah. <laughs> Where you're just like, no, I want I will pay for my own, yeah. you know, and because he, it, there's so much fear on the doctor end where it's like, look, are you being influenced? And the reality is there was a lot of money to influence people's behavior. And that's what that's why the regulations came around. Is it right? Is it wrong? I don't know. But well, in that in the all of the training and everything you get as a rep now is all very patient focused, right? It is, it is all about presenting a case and painting a picture of a particular patient that needs help. And that that's really our job at this point is to go get in front of a physician, somebody that has the capability to improve somebody's life, right? By writing a prescription or doing a procedure or whatever the case may be. And just painting that picture of the patient that they see on a daily basis, uh, but maybe get lost in the shuffle or that they don't recognize and try to paint a picture of how that patient's suffering and how you can help them. So, I mean, I, we won't say the company name, but I've, I've been doing clinical research for a lot of different pharmaceutical companies. 
and I work with a lot of scientific liaisons. So you guys have some really smart PhDs that are really trying to work this out. So there's there's all different kinds of views of what this industry is and what it was, what it's become, and everybody, the insurance companies have a view of it, the patient has a view of it, the doctor has a view of it, the company, and there's so much, there's so many moving parts that are continually moving. So if a drug company uh, or a research division of the drug company has a pretty good product, if it doesn't look like it's gonna be a home run, there was just a recent uh, pharma startup where they were looking at something in cannabis and the phase three clinical trial was looking bad and somehow it got leaked, their stock plummeted 81% on this, the rumor that the trial wasn't going well. Yeah, so. it's crazy because you, almost your stockholders in industries like that, you're always betting on the future. It's never on the present value of what, I mean, are they delivering a good service or what have you? It, they have so much weighing on that. In fact, if I remember the number correctly, and you may be able to correct me or it's probably grown since then, but in the late 90s, we were told the stat and that was that so much of the money in the United States of America pharmaceutical industry is strictly to stave off the costs of R&D and the elements that go into that to move that product. So what we were told is that before one RX is sold of any, it doesn't matter, all comers, is sold, that over $1.4 billion had been invested industry-wide to create Goodness both the failures, gracious. the trials, the experiments the the development of a said drug that would come with every lineage you you yourself even said they had started with a study back in 85 and now they're trying to find an enzyme to do something well we're we're 30 years removed from that so over that time how many people have spent time reading that article and so this is an aggregate of all of the time and all of the research that goes into is this an avenue where we can improve either an outcome or what have you. It's just a lot of money. And on top of that, before you can turn a drug out to somebody, you've got to go through at least three phase clinical trials and then move into the fourth where yeah. it can be consumed by the public. Well, I will say this, Travis, you're here because, well, number one, you're atypical for a drug rep. So how in the world, like what's your journey, man? Where'd you start? How'd you end up here? Yeah, so it's it's really not that that complicated. I plan to be here a lot sooner than than I was. I mean, um, I'm a. Third well, the gen- show doesn't start till I mean <laughs> nine. Well, that, so. right. <laughs> I was right on time for that. Yeah. So you were talking about my journey, right? So uh, I'm a third generation sales guy. Um, when my dad went through school, when he came out, it was all about computers, software, and hardware, right? Uh, when I was in school, it was all about the pharmaceutical industry. And so it was my ambition, right, to to be in sales. It's all I've ever done. Um, don't care if it's my high school job, my college job. It's it's always been involved in sales. Um, so I knew that's what I was going to do. And the hot the hot job to have, come, you know, back in 1999 was uh, coming into the pharmaceutical industry. And uh, you know, I went to a small state university, which uh, was. A mistake, right? Uh, great experience, great education, but just not a lot of a lot of alumni support for a job, right? After you get out of school, you know. And and at that point, I thought I was going to be a, <laughs> I thought I was going to be a, a pro athlete, right? Because we all do when sure. we're when we're eighteen or nineteen. Um, and so when I discovered that I wasn't going to be right, I tried to get into the the job market. What and, was the sport? So I, I, I rodeoed in college and, uh, you know, 
I thought that that was going to be you realize something. That you're our second college uh, rodeo yeah. scholarship person that we've had on the show. That's, what are the odds? That's, that's we're at show 18. We've had two. I mean, that's y'all are that's better pretty, than 10%. Yeah. Is Robo that, Hendrickson was our other one. Robo. That's right. Robo. So what, what did he compete in? What was his event? It's mostly badassery. Oh, but, is that uh, right? Yeah. Now like, he was a, he was a, I think he was a uh, bronc rider. He, he was a professional bull, I, bronc rider. I think he was a bronc rider. Yeah. 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 So that's what I did. But there, it was very evident that I was not going to be professional at it by the what time makes I graduated. a professional rodeo person? Like what are the skills needed? Yeah. So basically you're, you're, uh, you're willing to, to put your money forward and go on the road. You have absolutely zero sensitivity in the male nether region there since you're being yeah, bounced that's, up and doesn't down. Yeah, come into play as much as, as people think that it uh, does. But I'm going to check that off. That was definitely a question. Yeah, yeah you know, so, that's, that's so the one thing you don't have to worry about. So basically when you're trying out for the team, somebody runs up and just kicks you in the nuts. <laughs> well, <laughs> it looks like he hurts. He's off the team. He's off the team. There would be a lot, of people, a lot less people sign up. If that were if that were the case, yeah, no, I mean it's it's really you know it's 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 one of the few sports in the world where uh, there's no contract, there's nobody paying you unless you win, so you got to be able to foot the bill to go compete, um, and then you're you know basically sustaining yourself with whatever you win. So if you don't win, it's not sustainable. Is basically what the deal is. So, um, you know, the the first job interview I had at college was with Copenhagen Skull, right? Okay, and. Uh, so I go down to the office there in Louisville, used to be on Main Street there in Louisville. And uh, I go in there and I'm talking to, I'm talking to this gentleman and uh, it's a sales job and I, it's a promotional job. And I get to go on the road to all these rodeos and stuff and promote Copenhagen Skull. And I'm like, man, this sounds fantastic. I said, so how are you guys health benefits? He goes, yeah, we don't have that. We pay like seven dollars an hour. I don't know. So if you I find that we're fascinating. A company. I mean, yeah, yeah. not to, <laughs> yeah. That, that your initial and, and you know we'll take jobs coming out. I mean, you have to eat. So, did you have any issues taking a job that actually is harmful to society? Yeah. So in uh, when you're 18 or 19, it I'm more associated it with cowboy than i did it, it mean sure. harmful you know and as you as you grow up and mature you realize that that's uh you know not a great thing you know what i mean but at 18 or 19 i just associated it with being able to be but look at with that. rodeo look at look at the advertising they were doing they Absolutely. made it sexy oh. for for your for your peers that's sexy to be doing copenhagen in school started dipping when i was 14 years old i'm 42 today today no, not today, man. Oh, Just I was going to say, yeah. Patrick can whip you up a cake <laughs> yeah, no. real quick and everything. I wish it was my birthday. As long as it's a mud pie, we got to cover it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, no, they definitely market it. I mean, all you know, your Walt Garrison and everything. I mean, you to be cowboy, you had to, to dip snuff. You know, at least I thought that when I was, you know, in middle school. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I would not, I would not do that. Today. Well, it's fascinating because now you're in, you're essentially in healthcare and yes. I'll say it again, your products help my patients. So you've come full circle with that one. Definitely. And, uh, that's, that is, that is the most, uh, gratifying part of, of what I sell is that, um, you know, unsolicited patients will see you in a waiting room mm. and, uh, with this particular product that I'm selling now, uh, I mean, it's a lifesaver. Right. So like literally. So uh patient comes up to me. This is not a month ago uh, in the waiting room and says, you know, hey, thank you for doing what you do. You saved my life. Like, I didn't save your life. Right. 
But it, it makes me feel good to think that I, you know, made a case for that patient, advocated for that patient in front sure. of a physician that, you know, saw fit to put this patient on that product and, you know, their life is improved because of that in some dramatic way. So that's the big deal. Well, Travis, that was, uh, believe it or not, you just did your first half hour with us on the Gut Check Project. We got a whole nother hour to go with Travis. We've got tons of really cool stories about the pharmaceutical industry. We'll be back here in four minutes. This is the only 24-hour, take-anywhere platform dedicated to food and fun. We're Spoonie. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Rich Thomason. He knows a thing or two about what it takes to succeed in national politics, and President Trump believes the Russia probe will hurt the Democrats politically in 2020. The president is predicting that the Democrats' focus on the Russia investigation will backfire in next year's presidential and congressional races. And I think they're going to lose the 2020 election very big, including congressional seats. After former special counsel Robert Mueller's congressional testimony, the president said there was no defense to this ridiculous hoax. Greg Clugston, the White House. Boris Johnson vowing to silence what he calls the doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, who don't think he'll be able to successfully lead Britain out of the European Union. The new British Prime Minister has held his first cabinet meeting, later addressed Parliament, Johnson promising to exit the EU by the end of October. North Korea has fired a couple of short-range missiles into the sea off its east coast. South Korea says one of the two North Korean missiles flew 430 miles, longer than initially suspected. Seoul had said earlier both missiles got to that distance before landing in the waters off the country's east coast. The South categorizes both missiles as short-range, but their concerns as to their status. A senior Japan official says if they were ballistic missiles, they would be violating UN sanctions. I'm Charles de Ledesma. Party time in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Protesters celebrating after word that the embattled island's governor will resign a week from tomorrow. Led by strong demand for commercial aircraft and cars, durable goods orders rose by 2% last month. On Wall Street this morning, stocks are lower. The Dow is down about 138 points. The Nasdaq Composite Index off 58. The S&P currently down 14 points. More on these stories at townhall.com. Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-452-1075. 800-452-1075. That's 800-452-1075. Got an old car? You can donate it, whether it's running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation and save a life. They'll even come and pick it up for free. The United Breast Cancer Foundation has saved hundreds of women's lives through their free or low-cost breast screen exams. But now they need your help. The United Breast Cancer Foundation wants to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. 
Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 800-245-0823-800-245-0823-800-245-0823. Call right now. That number again is 800-245-0823. Never Forgotten Apparel is more than just a premium women's and men's clothing line. It's a movement to remind us to wear American-made and serve those who serve us. Our heroes. Never Forgotten Apparel gives 20% of their total sales to nonprofits that support homeless veterans and off-duty firefighters, and 50% to individual veterans and firefighters in need nationwide. Check out NeverForgottenApparel.com. Use promo code MATT, M-A-T-T, and get 15% off your purchase. Welcome back. It's hour number two of Gut Check Project, episode 18. I'm Eric Rieger here with your host, Dr. Ken Brown. And, of course, today we have the generic pharmaceutical rep, Travis Page. Real quick, don't forget to like and share Gut Check Project. Go to YouTube.com, search Gut Check Project. Then be certain to subscribe and then tell a friend. Then go to GutCheckProject.com. Go to contact or connect. Let us know that you did it. You'll be entered into the contest where this month, next week, we give away at least five signature packages. Whoa. Travis, you know what the signature pack is? Uh, I've heard you talk about this, but yeah. it, it, it changes not all the time. Two cans of Copenhagen, three of Skull. <laughs> that's, that's good for your patience. I'm glad that's not the case. <laughs> that's a little bit better than that. It's going to be a month supply of Autron Teal and KBMD CBD paired together, and you get to choose your flavor. If you like natural, get natural. If you like cinnamon, get cinnamon. So it's kind of like Copenhagen, right? You choose your flavor. Yeah. It's kind <laughs> yeah. Signature package, kind of like Copenhagen. Be sure to let us know. Thanks I, a lot, Travis, for coming on. You're a great salesman. <laughs> oh, it, Travis! This um, I always have gutsy here as a reminder. You know, ever since the invention of the of the phone, it's done wonders for my hemorrhoid business, and that's why. So, <laughs> this is my public service announcement: Don't Reddit and poop because you'll get hemorrhoids. Yeah, <laughs> that's public that's, service announcement. I just like the fact that fro- I didn't know frogs use toilets. This is weird. That's gutsy. That's our mascot. Yeah. It's it's cool that he can also articulate his his hand to a phone, and he uses the potty. But you know, either way, I guess this is what amphibians do nowadays. I guess this is what they're into. Everybody's evolving. Everybody is evolving. Speaking of evolving, so Travis, you had quite a uh, a change from you went to. And you didn't mention it earlier, but I believe you said that you went to Stephen F. Austin, correct? Yes, yes. Down, Stephen F. Austin State University down in Nacogdoches, yes, Texas, sir. East Texas. And currently now you live in Crum, which is just west of Denton, Texas, correct? Correct. And you did not leave your team roping skills behind as uh, part of your history. You just, why don't you go ahead and expand on that? You you have an area that you do that in how? Yeah. So the, um, you know, I rode Bronx in college and uh, we always thought the, the timed event guys were kind of the, the sissy guys, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it just turned out that they were the smarter ones, right? It, it really, it really does turn out that way. Um, you know, your, your career is, is prolonged quite a bit. Um, you know, when, when your mount's not trying to put you on the ground and hurt you, you know? So, um, 
it uh you know was very much considered to be a an an old man type thing by the by the rough stock guys well uh now i fit that bill right so i have zero shame about about team roping and it's actually extremely complicated and i'm i learn something new every time i go about it so it's you know some guys fish some guys play golf i'm you know i'm a pharmaceutical rep by trade but um you know, my hobby is team rope. How many days a week do you, do you team rope or do you work on it? Yeah. So it's, it's tough, right? Because of, uh, you know, all the resource that you need to actually practice. I mean, I have a, um, you know, a, a dummy, if you will, that I can rope that's stationary sure. that I can do by myself all the time, but to actually get rigged up and get on a horse and, uh, and have live cattle to rope. I mean, that's a big, is that why you have the cattle strictly to rope? Yeah. So, uh, this, uh, we just built a house last year. Um, but before that, I was on a rental property that actually had the facility, um, a, a, a roping pin on it. And so we would bring cattle, lease them basically to this facility, but we didn't have a lot of space. Sure. So uh, you go online and you start trying to le- lease these Corriente cattle. Well, they want to lease 100 of them. Well, we didn't have space for 100 of them, right? So we needed five to 10, yeah, maybe, max. Don't you think it'd be a whole lot easier if he had the 100 in that same space? I mean, you'd probably <laughs> catch more of them, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah you don't do it yeah. way That's, that's what not, I would do. I would, I'm would. i not going fishing in yeah. some huge lake. It's not like little... dove hunting, man. You don't need more <laughs> targets. You just need one target. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, oh, so look I, at that. I caught four that time. Yeah. 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 Uh, that would get really complicated in a hurry. That would be a lot of moving parts. Uh, but anyway, so, so we figured out that, uh, you know, there's a market for this, for, you know, this small group of cattle. So my idea was on my little place to raise five and there's all these, you know, always have five babies on the ground, um, that would mature and, and be able to be leased out to somebody's, uh, facility. And you drive up and down 380, Mm -hmm. you know, you're from Decatur, you know what I'm talking about. There's all these little farm and ranches there and a lot of them have team roping pens. So, um, you know, and, and, and they're all small. They're not hundreds of acres, right? They're, they're eight to 10. So not a lot of space to keep a bunch of cattle. So that was my idea. So I got it. And just like everything else I get myself into, it's a little more complicated than what I initially (laughs) thought, you know? So I've been going on this for like, I don't know. I think this is my fourth year and fourth uh, year of raising the cattle. Yeah. Yeah. So I started out with two mama cows and my idea was to breed them and then turn out babies. Well, you can only there. You can only keep them permanently if they're female, right? Because that's the only way to make more cows, right? Sure. Is to have females. So if you have males, that doesn't grow your herd. You know what I mean? Because you can't breed them back to each other and that kind of thing. So um, it's it's been an endeavor, right? So we're in the we're in the process. But yeah, that's an, another aspect of the hobby, I guess. Right. So do you have like a corriente dating app so that you find <laughs> to make sure? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, so I have a buddy, right? It's got a <laughs> Corriente bull down the road. So you know, every uh, every winter, I, I take them on a date. I load them old gals in the trailer, and we take them on a on a date over at my buddy's place. You just yeah. wait for them to swipe right, and you know they can head down the road. <laughs> hey, there's only one, so they they gonna they gonna swipe. They don't have a lot of choice. On a on a quick side note, um, we've talked about this before that when you have too many choices. There was a psychologist that did a, 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 psych, a psychological study where people could choose as many types of jams that they wanted, and they had like 40 different kinds, But and you could bring them back if you didn't like it, or they could choose between like three, and he showed that the people that had more choices were less happy with their choice or with their 
decision mm -hmm. and the other ones didn't. That's exactly what I think dating apps are. I think you should download an app and you go, you have one of two choices. There you go. This guy or that guy, you pick it. And I think people would be happier personally. Yeah, I don't have any experience with it. So Zero. I'm say that all, I, I, not one time have I ever had, a, I've always had, you know what I'm saying? The natural, the old fashioned way, yeah. right? So I don't even know what this means. This uh, online anything. I don't, I don't get it. I never participated in it. Yeah. Oh, so you like? I mean, like, like the old way, like, like OK Cupid or one of those, like, <laughs> yeah, like, like I mean, the like, original apps. Like, I see you in a bar, right? Yeah. And you know, we start. I say something funny, you know, and then we dance, and then we have a beer, and that's it. You know, the next weekend we go to a movie. Yeah, that, that like, was like it. a real relationship. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. but I guess this is a real thing. Well, no, it's, I mean, my point is how unhappy people are, and I think that because there's that FOMO, there's always this fear of you know, something more. It'd be like you, yeah. if you could choose, if you're driving down and you have all these bulls to choose, you're like, would that bull make better, you know, kids with this one, this one. <laughs> well, that, that's an interesting concept. What if, if back before social media, if people think of everything you give up to put your profile on a dating app, I mean, not only do you have how you aesthetically look, but you begin to say your name or your first name, I, I assume Sometimes, do they ever ask if you dig a little bit deeper what your occupation is, or at least what your hobbies are? But if you just had to wear a shirt that just said your name and then your hobbies and where you're from and like what area you live in, and then you were in a bar and then you began to weed out people before you ever got to know them just based on what their hobbies were that were printed on their shirt, that would made, it would have made things. Just a dating shirt when yeah, you go into you, a bar? You, you would compare the hobbies of everybody in there and probably not be satisfied with the fact that you may not find somebody who likes team roping and it, just because it wasn't listed on there. So the FOMO comes from, I'm looking at all this, and I'm not seeing my 100% match here out yeah. of these small biographical details but they've done i mean there's a whole lot of evidence now we are not becoming happier as a society no. in fact depression is is huge which is why i think things like psilocybin are going to make a big difference probably all these drugs and everything probably just putting the phone down for a little bit is a great way to to reconnect and reset which is what i like about what you do as your hobby you you're with nature you're you're interacting that's awesome well in the you know the contrast is my uh 11 year old son. I just turned 12. He's 12 years old now. But, you know, he is uh, so not interested in that aspect of my life. And when I was growing up, oh, I would have killed because I didn't have it. You know what I mean? It, it was all indirect. It was adjacent to me. It was, you know, the influence was all from my mom's side of the family. Um, but it was everybody had kind of moved past it. So I, you know, when I got into it, I kind of got into it on my own. So I would have loved my dad to be involved in something like that. And my son, I mean, he's a baseball player. It's just right? not his thing. Yeah. It's just not, but he'll pick up that phone all day. You know what I mean? He'll be on that PlayStation all day. You know, that's, it's just completely different from when my experience, when I was growing up. Totally. Can you explain exactly? We're saying team roping, you know, I've never watched it. I don't know. Just tell me what you do. Okay. So I'm on the, I'm on the head side, right? So, uh, it, it's set up this way. There's a, a a chute in the middle where the cow is deployed, right? And on either side of that chute, there's a box. So the cow is deployed. It gets a head start, right? And then it's basically a horse race, right? So the guy uh, on one side is responsible for roping the horns. The other guy is responsible on the other side for coming behind and roping the feet. And then you you dally off to your saddle horn and kind of stretch tight for a split second 
They drop a flag, and that's your time. So it's a timed event. Animal isn't hurt? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. So there's a lot of controversy sur- surrounding what they call um, tie-down roping, um, where they use calves, right? Oh, um, where they flip them over. Yeah. And- yeah. So there's a, a there's a lot of controversy in that, just the way it, it looks. Um, I, I think team roping is a lot less shocking. But, uh, you know, the, the bottom line is, is that there's – uh, all kinds of uh, of regulation and that kind of thing to make sure that the that the animals are taken care of. And I'm telling you this: those horses, I would if I get to come back as something, I want to be <laughs> a, a high end horse of some a performance horse of some. Nobody lives better than a high end <laughs> than a high performance horse. I did have a I had a friend's family that they bred. Uh, what do they call cutting horses? Big, big, big money. Big money. And they those they had stables that were yeah. just unbelievable. Like nicer than your house. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. So that's your hobby. How did you end up in the industry that you're in now, being a pharmaceutical representative? So you, you left uh, SFA. Uh, this is 99. You graduated. It's uh, 2019. So what's going on? So the, the door to this industry was not open to me okay. when I graduated. Um <laughs> My first job out of school, the first job that I took was with a pager company. Okay. I'm dating myself. You guys remember pagers, right? Oh, yeah. So this is just before the technology of uh, texting on your phone. Sure. So the pager had advanced to the point where you would, that's how you would text, right? It had a keyboard on it and that kind of thing. So I would go business to business, go up and down floors of, a, of an office building in Fort Worth selling pagers. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, entry level sales as entry level sales can get, um, did that for about six months. And then I got into the lumber industry. I mean, still not eligible. So I've got, you know, six months of sales experience. Right. And, uh, as I'm looking, I know I don't want to sell pagers. So I, I keeping the eye out for these pharmaceutical opportunities or medical uh, sales opportunities that, um, might present themselves and they would have job fairs at a hotel. Right, these big Eli Lilly companies, right? These enormous pharmaceutical Merck and all these guys would have these job fairs at a hotel. So I would show up in my suit, that kind of thing, and uh, there would they'd hand you a sheet of paper that was like your application, and at the very top it said um, it, one of the one of the requirements was your GPA, and then the other requirement was you know the amount of sales experience, uh, professional sales experience that you had. Um, and then a lot of them had a requirement for pharmaceutical sales experience. I'm like, man, how do you ever get a pharmaceutical you experience ever, yeah. if you don't ever give me a pharmaceutical think many, job? Think how many industries are like that, though. I know. I mean, it's really I mean, bizarre. It's, it's so hard to, I don't know. That's what, that's what I always try and, I mean, there's there's requirements at DHAT where you had to have had prior MA experience. That just about everybody that works for me, um, we, you, you hire the personality, train everything else. Well, and, and it's... Uh, you know that was always my deal, right? Anytime I could get in in front of people, I you know, you, you need me. Look at look how likable I am. What are you talking about? <laughs> how, how how could you not want me on that? You need me on that wall, right? Love that. I'm, I'm still saying that today. You know what? Right right now, one of those one of those horse, uh, one of those uh, cattle is watching this show, going, "He's not that likable." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> ties ties me up all the time. I miss a lot. They they're good, right? <laughs> yeah, they they win a lot of the time. They're good. Uh, but anyway, so so how it happened for me, um, it, it turns out that 
whatever industry you're in. And I don't, do you guys have any uh, experience in construction? Do you, any, whether it be in college, did you guys ever work for a construction company? Work too? for one? No. Worked for Legos for a bit. Does that count? Yeah. No, that does not count. <laughs> that does not count. I'm talking about actually, uh, you know, some aspect of the, of the building industry it is extremely fickle industry. Oh, sure. So the, the highs are really high and the lows are really low. So I, I went into business with a friend of mine from high school, um, that, uh, was building these retaining wall structures when that housing market was just crazy. And, uh, we did really well for about 10 years. And then, um, the, the, the bottom fell out of the construction company. I'll never forget. I came back to work after the Thanksgiving break and we had six months booked out Mm -hmm. and one by one that entire day, everyone called to cancel and it's these huge property development companies, right? Right. So they're depending on, but why did it, why did it happen that quickly? Uh, Well, so what was it? What was it? Oh, eight. Yeah. So it is Oh eight when, you know, the the bottom just kind of fell out of the the AIG and PMI interest failure. It, the the DR Hortons and all those guys, they had to shut down their development. They canceled everything. And so all of our projects were based on this, this large land development. And just one by one that day, we call it D day to this day that me and the guy. Yeah. So it basically shrunk the company down at that moment to where there wasn't enough for both of us. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, at the time, I had a buddy that was a uh, a district manager at a pharmaceutical company, and he was leaving with uh, the powers that be, the vice president. They were all leaving as a group and going to start doing one of these startups that you that you spoke of earlier, right? And uh, so, and knowing what I know now, see, you don't know anything. You just want in. You just want just somebody let me in, sure. right? Well, this guy had a position in uh, in in North Texas. Where you know I could work Denton, Flyer Mound, Louisville, all these you know my community, right? I'm a homeboy, and I'm like, oh man, this is my this is my shot, right? Knowing nothing about what I was going to be selling, knowing nothing about who I was going to be selling it to, what the market was, what the managed care was going to be, I knew nothing about this. I didn't know, I didn't, I knew, I didn't even know enough to know I didn't know anything. Sure, does that make sense? Absolutely. So I come Sublime. on, sublime. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Not 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 having to worry because you're so ignorant. Is. Ignorant, <laughs> ignorant is the perfect. So I, dude, I thought I won the lottery. I'm in. I'm in. Right. And uh, so it turns out they took this very old medication. And when I say old, I'm talking about like uh, Birth of America old medication. <laughs> so, right. So they you said you're going to be selling this, and you're like, it's a it's a leech. Yeah. <laughs> Sell this. I'm, I'm not kidding. It, it wasn't, it was almost that bad. And then, so they took this new science, a delivery system that took this very old medication and made it once a day. That was the deal. Right. Okay. So the very old medication, if you go to your pharmacy and you don't have any insurance at all, right. You go pay the cash price for it. It's $4. Okay. But you got to take it three times a day. Sure. Okay. With my medication, it's $150, but you only have to take it one time a day. That was, that was the sale, right? One time a day versus three times a day, this delivery, you know, patient compliance, all this thing. The long and the short is the whole entire company lasted about 18 months. So my first experience in pharmaceuticals was 18 months of this extreme pressure to grow this startup, sure. right? Banging your head up against the wall. And then they fired everybody in 18 months. Oh, I just want to, you know, I've tried to raise money for Atron Teal and, I'm just trying to figure out what kind of pitch, what kind of people invested in this thing. That's a 
that's a hardcore. What were they investing in? Probably the delivery system itself, the technology. Yeah, yeah. so they owned the technology, right? Uh-huh. The parent company owned the technology, um, and then they, they they basically brought in these, uh, you know, a, a sales force. Uh, you know, the higher ups of a sales force, your VPs and and directors and that kind of thing that had been successful at another company. And they brought the idea was if we bring them all from this successful company all over as one unit unit, right? Then mm-hmm. that unit will function for us, right? Well, not if your product's crap, right? Is what is what it boils down to. That's right? I mean, so that's that's really interesting because when you're selling something and as and I see it. I have people that try and sell me things that are inferior to another product that I have available. And it's like, why in the world would I even consider this? And and so the question is, when they try to sell you something that just doesn't add up, does it matter to you if you like that guy or not? If he's selling it, right? Oh, I mean, it comes down to, first thing is patient care. I mean, if it's going to work on the patient, I don't want to hurt their pocketbook. Yeah, we can be best friends. You can come and hang out but if you have a crap product you have a crap product and and that's the other thing you figure out in uh in in, and it's the thing i like about it right is that it is not enough to be a great sales guy right it is not enough to be likable um you, you literally have to have something that is um an advantage for the the patient something something that's going to improve their patient's lives because well, see that's this is why they started all these regulations because there was a period there yes. where taking doctors down to Hawaii yes. on and then suddenly sales would start to increase. So Whether the, the product was. Yeah and, yeah. and people can say, oh, no, that didn't influence. Oh, yes, it did. Yeah. That's why that's why they did it. When I was a resident, they had what was called the Zosin hotline. So remember, you're broke as a resident and you're working crazy hours. You could call this number and a pizza would show up. No questions asked from Pizza Hut or one of those places, Domino's. And it was the Zosin hotline. You would see, I mean, all of us had access to it. So you would order pizza before you'd get off so you can take it home and eat because that was, that was what you were going to eat. And you realize all of us used Zosin. All of us kept using Zosin after we got out and probably still would um, if I was an inpatient hospitalist. I mean, that is a- You develop a habit. Yes. Somebody comes in with an infection, that's the antibiotic I'm going to use. Now, it, it, it was an effective antibiotic, but they created a habit in us, and that's a psychological thing that the pharma industry knows. Yeah, I mean, that is a Pavlovian response for you to just know that you want to use Zosin because it rewarded not only in helping the patient, but you got full. I mean, that's, that's, that's wild, but that's exactly how it was. But if you can establish a pattern in a trainee, it's really hard to... Um, unlearn that because that's you're you're in a very vulnerable spot. You're in a teaching hospital, which is why they really don't allow reps in most teaching hospitals now. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, and uh, you know we it's a big battle for us because you know when you have a product that that statistically or clinically is superior, right? That doesn't always matter because of the habit that you're talking about, right? They can even agree, yes, that product is better, right? But when it actually comes to writing it for the patient, it's just not top of mind, right? So they'll tell you all the time, man, just keep reminding me, keep reminding me, keep reminding me, right? And uh, it, it really, habit is a, it, it, it's as big an obstacle as anything else we face. Well, so the world, you know, I mean, I'm from medicine. When we launched Atron Teal, that's what I thought we were going to do. I thought that we were going to have a rep. They would just walk out there and be like, look, we have this natural solution that has this data and it's really good. And 
we could not play in that sandbox at all. Couldn't compete with the lunches that were being brought. Couldn't compete with the time in front of people where we have to educate. And we learned really quick that is not the way for us to change habits in gastroenterologists. And we realized that there were other audiences. Fortunately, we know that um, nutritionists were really open to hear new things and functional medicine doctors. And we just started to find our niche. And now we're getting, because we stood a little test of time, Three four years now we're starting to see the gastroenterologist go. Oh, it does work. Yeah, kind of had to re, kind of had to reverse engineer the access. So, I think that you hit on a really key point in what the role the pharmaceutical rep does play, and that is you have to have the good ability to maintain solid relationships with folks because even if you have the best message, if you can't be heard or tolerated with your presence, that message will never be heard by the physician or the intended target for them to. To be educated, because make no mistake about it, like it, love it, hate it, doesn't matter. The pharmaceutical rep, oftentimes for an incredibly busy physician, is the first level of new or re-education in a new well, technology. It's it's gotten to the point that when people sit there and say, well, there's no science on CBD or there's no science on proanthocyanidins. No, I've got like 5,000 articles yep. on my computer right now. There's no science on photobiomodulation. No, it's that nobody has shown up with a silver platter while you're taking two seconds to eat and go, oh, there's the science. Because nobody, I mean, you're not looking for the science unless you're doing research or doing a report or doing something like that. Well, uh, that blazed by, I really want to get into some funny stories that uh, Travis may have encountered. In and the, you also. I, I mean, might have something to yeah. add to the story. Uh, we could have a little bit of fun. So, But we could definitely do some comparative analysis on what it was like back in the day that I rolled into being a pharmaceutical rep versus what you've dealt with uh, today. So anyhow, stick around last half hour with Travis Page. We'll be back here in just a moment. Gut Check Project episode 18. Dr. Ken Brown here, host of Gut Check Project with my co-host, Eric Rieger. Eric, we've been seeing Mojo guys over there and over here at Spoonie talk about Atrontil for bloating. I've seen in my practice that Atrontil is a whole lot more than just a bloating product. Yes, it does a whole lot more than just fix bloating because of the polyphenols that you find in Atrontil. You're exactly right. The polyphenols are those molecules that we find in the Mediterranean diet. It makes vegetables and fruits very colorful. What are some of the things that these polyphenols do, Eric. These polyphenols can actually stop inflammation. They can help you have more energy. They can help you with anti-aging. And polyphenols are great for athletes. It sounds like it's going to help a whole lot more people than just bloating. Tell me how everybody should be taking Atrontil. If you want to dose Atrontil, it's two capsules three times a day, basically with your meals. But if you aren't bloated and you just want that polyphenol intake every day, two to three capsules a day will work for you. Go to lovemytummy.com slash spoonie. Dr. Ken Brown here, host of Gut Check Project with my co-host, Eric Rieger. I've seen in my practice that Atrontil is a whole lot more than just a bloating product. Yes, it does a whole lot more than just fix bloating because of the polyphenols that you find in Atrontil. What are some of the things that these polyphenols do, Eric? These polyphenols can help you have more energy, and polyphenols are great for athletes. It sounds like it's going to help a whole lot more people than just bloating. Go to lovemytummy.com slash spoonie. 
Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All American Dish, your Dish authorized retailer now. 800 570 6630. 800 570 6630. That's 800 570 6630. Offers require credit qualification, 24 month commitment, early termination fee, and e auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. You're supposed to dance to this. Yeah, I can't believe you're not moving around. You act, you act like you, you act like you're a team roper or something. I know. <laughs> it's, not hey, my, it's not my jam, man. It's not my jam. <laughs> you know what? Here. You just have not lost that rough side there. Back when you were busting the Bronx, it's okay. You could show your feminine side, dance a little bit, rope some cows. <laughs> Man, don't. Yeah, no, I'm good on that. So we're here the last half hour of episode 18 of Gut Check Project, and what we were talking about in the break, we wanted to get straight to it. We've got some funny, or some, we, I think they're funny, some good humorous uh, tales of what it's like to be on both ends of uh, the pharmaceutical representation side. And uh, Ken, I'm just going to go ahead and kick it to you because I've heard this story before, and uh, I, I'm kind of looking forward to you retelling it and letting uh, Travis in on it. Yeah, so don't don't get your hopes up. It's not that funny. It's just a, it's a it's a good uh, depiction of what went on when there was no rains on the on the pharma industry. So I was a resident in San Antonio, and I have uh, I had uh, three friends that were pretty successful at the time: Keith Jr., Brian. Mm-hmm. Brian was running one of the first internet casinos. Which side note, really quick, he came to me when I was a fourth year resident and said, "Hey, I need you to come down to Curacao with me, defer residency." And help me start this internet casino. And I was like, this internet thing you're talking about? That's going to go away. <laughs> I'm going to go stick my finger in people's butts for the rest of my life. <laughs> Needless to say, oh. not, a, not a smart business move on my part. But, and uh, Junior was playing ball for the, for the San Francisco 49ers at the time. And so I'd go visit him. And it would just, you know, he'd just take us out. And we'd have fun. Drivers driving us around. And it was just a great time hanging out with players and stuff go visit brian and it's in curacao and same thing you know he's got everything set up for me what uh guy showed up he was living on the beach where there was a beautiful coral reef guy shows up wakes me up and he goes are you ken I said yeah he goes come on brian says i'm taking you scuba diving i'm like i've never been he's like it's not that big of a deal just want to go up go down breathe in breathe out let's go <laughs> <laughs> so and uh you know keith still living in omaha at the time and you know former roommate and he was working while i was in med school so he took care of a lot so i've got all this pressure these guys are gonna come visit me in san antonio i'm broke i'm like how do i show these guys a good time so viagra had just launched and uh i was friends with the viagra rep and they had big pockets so that was pfizer Pfizer initially uh, started with their clinical trials so that Viagra would become, they were trying to work out a blood pressure medicine. I don't know if, do you know the whole story behind that? I do. Yeah, well, I've been told since. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, in uh, phase three clinical trials, the blood pressure wasn't dropping all that much. When people returned the medicine, it was very distinct that most of the men did not return it. They're like, what's going on here? (laughs) (laughs) So then they had to bring them all back in and went, okay, we are not going to save lives via blood pressure, but we've learned a new thing that this drug does do. Then it became the little blue pill. And at the time that became just, I mean, they could, I've talked to reps that just like, man, you just, you were the, I mean, absolutely. You'd walk in and they would kick other reps out and they'd be like, come, 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 come on in. And so that in mind, I call him up and he goes, man, just set up a whole day. I'll handle it. I'll show up at every location 
and pick up pick up the tab. So I'm like, okay, we're gonna do lunch here. And so he shows up. He's like, what's up, guys? Meets everybody. Gives his credit card. Goes, I'll see you at the golf course. And then we went to La Contera Golf Course. And he was waiting there. And he goes, what's up, guys? Come on in. And just covers everything. He goes, give them all a few sleeves of balls, rentals, the whole nine yards. We're gonna put some drinks on on the card now and just covered everything. And he goes, tell me when you guys are done. Where do you plan on having dinner? And I was like, uh, I think we can go to Papacitos. He's like, all right, meet you there. So we play a whole round of golf. La Contera is beautiful. And um, it, it was, we had a great day. We go, we eat at Papacitos. Then he shows up. And he's like, you guys have a good day? And he goes, yeah. And he says, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Picks up the tab, the whole thing. Then goes out to his truck, comes back in, and gives all of us a case of Viagra. Wow. This was... I don't know, 20. What, Should I, it be many, probably 98, 99, is that right? Yeah, it was a long time ago. I was still a resident. I wasn't a fellow yet. And so um, Junior, you know, t- took a case of Viagra. I mean, it, you know, you're, you're young enough. You're just like, ah, I, I, in fact, I got too many of the thing that this thing happens or, or causes. So <laughs> <laughs> when he did, I'm not a good candidate. Yeah. <laughs> you have like an antidote like that, does the, that does the opposite of that? Because that's what I need. I know. I mean, you know, it, it's so then you realize that you're walking around with gold for any of any of my friends or friends' dads and stuff like you got what? <laughs> I'm like, and so Junior did the same thing. He takes it back to the Niners. He's like, man, I don't know. I guess this thing's supposed to do that. And so there's some, you know, some other players on the team were like, yeah. So we did that whole day and we had so much fun and we bonded. These are friends I've had since childhood. And to this day, it's referred to, hey, remember that time we came to San Antonio and I got that Viagra? (laughs) Yeah, we did a lot more than that, though. (laughs) But I think that's a great example of the liberties that drug reps had at that time. Oh, that's definitely before the Pharma Pact. Uh, oh, absolutely. It was initiated. I mean, I think it was 2001 or something like that, where basically the big pharma groups got together. And that's really at the very, I guess, the 25% mark or 30% mark of me working in the pharmaceutical industry, too. And that's when things changed. So when I was a drug rep, I kind of fell into it. I wanted to get into research and sharing ended up bringing us on. And they ended up having to reallocate where we were because they were losing the patent on Claritin. So the idea of them paying for us to go into research. They were like, look, we don't really have a job for you there anymore, but if you'd like to be a drug rep. So then I talked to some people that had done it. And I said, I guess I can do that. The biggest selling point was Eric, if you're living out here in Lubbock, the easiest thing you just get up, you find a a doctor to make friends with and you take them to go play golf. At the time I played a lot of golf. I was like, this is great. So basically I was being paid to play golf and we, the territory was huge, but I met a lot of different people and that's, I was calling on on primary and family practice docs. They don't get a whole lot of attention by comparison to specialists. So at the time, it was really easy to begin to find somebody in each town. And at that time, you're only competing for market share. It wasn't what I learned was it wasn't about the script count or how, the volume that I increased. It was just what is your market share and are you increasing in your category your share of the pie for for our business? And that's. That's really all it came down to. But I do have one of the funnier stories that happened to me occurred with a guy I made friends with in Lubbock. He was a family practice doc and internist, super cool guy. And I liked him a lot and he was a great doc. And I ended up working, I'd been laid off from sharing and I went to go work for Roche. And Roche at the time had just launched two drugs. One was uh, Tamiflu, which is still around today. Great drug, right? And the other one was Zenical. 
And you may recall it. The generic name for it at the time was Orlistat. And there's a there's a, a, a small composite that's similar to it called or, Orlistat. Or, I'm sorry, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Orlistat. And anyway, they add it to Pringles. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I'll look it up. Yeah, but it, it, regardless, what it did is it blocked the absorption of dietary fat, which is so funny where we are now knowing that fat's actually what's missing from our diet. But this Zenical was uh, positioned to help people lose weight that were over-consuming fat. And it was going to block approximately one-third of the dietary fat from being absorbed. Now, knowing what we know now, that's a that's danger written all over it. Olestra. Regardless. Olestra. That's right. That's what's added to Pringles. So that's very similar to Orlistat. Well, regardless... Um, we were pitched on this idea to take Zenical out to the masses and say, for your patients that want to lose weight, just add Zenical, take it three times a day with your meals, and it will prevent the absorption of this high calorie fat and your patients will begin to lose weight. The problem was it wasn't covered by insurance. So it was running well over a hundred dollars a month and that we weren't really trained that well on the side effects. Well, I go to the physician that I had made friends with there in Lubbock. And he said, you know what? I'll, I'll give it a try. And normally when I went in to see him, we'd go back to his office. We'd exchange jokes, laugh a little bit. And he, he was a busy doc and he had to go on the rest of his day. Well, one day I walked in probably about the second or third time I had reminded him about using Zenical. And as I walk in, he sees me and he's like, Oh, Eric, come here. Let me show you something. So I'm like, Oh, cool. It's probably got a funny little story for me. And he said, hey, I used Zenical on some patients. I'm like, great. And he's like, sort of. <laughs> it's sort of great. And he's like, when were you going to tell me about the ass oil? <laughs> Whoa. The, no. Yeah. What a terrible <laughs> I know. And I realized. Ass oil. oil. <laughs> and I had never heard this compound word before. Ass oil. So I'm like, I no. don't know. What is it? And he's like, cool. That's what I said. <laughs> so then what happens is he says, I prescribed it. And he named off so-and-so. And I was like, yeah. And he said, so what? was this a small enough town that you knew the person? No, I didn't know the person. He just threw out her first name. So he says, so I give it to her. And in Lubbock, there is a uh, grocery store that actually carries Autron Teal, United, uh, United yeah. Market Street. He said, she is in United. She's just in the produce aisle, minding her own business, shopping away. And she took the Zenical and, uh, well, essentially, she thought she had a small little fart. Eric, you know what she did? And I was like, <laughs> I sharded. And I said, I don't know. And he goes, she blew ass oil all over her pants. <laughs> Wait, she blew ass oil what? <laughs> all over her pants. And I said, oh, she did? He goes, oh, yeah, she did. And he's laughing. You know, he's like, yeah. Oh. Now, what what are you thinking? You're like, this is my drug. I've got no <laughs> answers for this man. And I'm also like, I've been abandoned because no one told me this was going to happen. Man. So as he begins to keep talking about it, he said, do you want to know how I know? And I was like, kind of. And so <laughs> he says... Because she hobbled all the way out to the car so she could take off her ass oil pants and notice it had also gotten into one of her shoes. Oh. And she brought them to me in the United sack that she had been shopping in. <laughs> and he said, and I, and I looked at him, I was like, you're not going to, he's like, I'm not going to show them to you. I don't have them. <laughs> but then he said something really funny. He's like, why don't you get on the horn and find out 
what it is we're supposed to do about this because I can't keep recommending something that's going to have this kind of thing. Well, basically, right then, we, there was if, if there was a graph, there's we launch, there's no complaints, it's flat, it's flat, it's flat. About five weeks after it launches, suddenly there's a spike wow. in its complaints. And then we, we got on a conference call. We had a conference call with all of Roche, everybody who represented uh, Zinical, and they said, don't worry, you need to instruct all of your physicians that their patients are not losing electrolytes, it's just fat. So I immediately was like, we're supposed to go back and tell these people. <laughs> it's okay if they blow it out yeah, their could bottom. Could you imagine? I just immediately played out the scenario of, okay, I'm eating, I don't know, in a pizza place and all of a sudden eyes blow out oil i'm gonna be like never you mind <laughs> this is not diarrhea nothing to see here nothing to see here i'm losing weight you are sick <laughs> that is weight loss yeah. all over this chair i'm getting healthy and you're making fun of me so regardless that was a uh, a really odd scenario and then later on they 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 basically had to recant their their approach with all of that. Well, what's hilarious about that is I was telling you I was going to try and find the name of the product that they switched from the drug that the food industry decided, "All right, if you guys aren't going to use it, we're going to use it. Yeah. We'll make fat-free Pringles." And so I googled it and the first thing that comes up is fat-free Pringles equals anal leakage. Uh, Next one. A very disgusting review of Pringles fat-free potato chips. These gut-wrenching Olestra chips are awful. (laughs) 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 Well, the the crazy thing is, is now what we know about fat and the and the weight gain in America is once we stopped eating fat. I mean, it's there's a there's a a well-known graph that when butter consumption went down and margarine was created, people began to get heavier. We weren't supposed to be blocking fat anyway. So, it, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's really one of, the, one of the craziest tales where someone in your position, and you, and you, have, you have a much different job now because you're not calling on primary care, but someone in your position back then, you're really on an island. And you're not really. Oh, no, I love the fact because I've had, I've had uh, reps come in where I'll say, hey, man, we're having this side effect. And then they will come back and they'll have a retort to it where obviously they could call in and then, the higher ups, how could they sit in a room and be like, all right, all right, so we're having a little of this, you know, this ass leakage thing here or, or you know, ass oil blowouts. What do we tell the reps? Just tell them it's working. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 we were blown away that that was the response. I mean, I'm like looking at the phone. I'm like, this is unbelievable. But it, it didn't really matter. So Zenical's not around really anymore, I don't think. No, I think it's an over-the-counter thing called Ally now. Is that the same thing? I let me check. Oh wow, did not know. So well, uh, heads up, take uh, ally wow. or Lestat. Yeah, yes. there you go. If you are. Does it does it list anal leakage as a side effect on there? Well, <laughs> once it's over the counter, they can. Um, they don't have to list the side effects. It's sixty nine dollars at Walgreens. Sixty nine. Wow, interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know. You know, another thing they had us worry about was that they did have the, it still out there. I don't know. They, they did have the foresight, though, that you needed to make certain that your fat soluble vitamins like A, D, E and K were were appropriately consumed because you're blocking the fat of the way that they're absorbed. Right. So, Dude, it's, you know what? I didn't realize it was still available. I'm, I'm thinking for my severely, severely constipated people. <laughs> I need to take about four of these oh. in a bathtub. Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the reason it's still out there is because there is some female 
that going to Florida, and she got to get in her bikini. And ass leakage and all, she going to do it. That's the sacrifice. Yeah. Well, that's the funny part because that's the misconception. You know, I've had a lot of patients that abused laxatives thinking um, thinking that they were having weight loss. All that is is just electrolytes. The reason why you get bloated, it's not your colon. It's because whenever you eat, the bacteria in your small bowel start breaking it down. That's what causes um, IBSD, yeah. for instance. Yeah. Or, you know, you, you cannot fix IBSD, as we learned earlier, by, you know, doing a, a fecal microbial transplant. You still have that look like you're like like you're kicking it around. <laughs> no, dude, I'm good on that. The data like, says I really just have the IBSD. To be honest with you, seriously. <laughs> and I, all these things are going through my head. Like, do I know the guy I'm eating this poop, or is it some stranger I'm eating this poop? And then I started to think, which is worse, a stranger or some dude I know? You're listen. gonna be, you're gonna wake up at two a.m., honey. Wake up. Listen, I, I really can't. I really can't shake this. <laughs> no, but you're yeah. right. So this still exists because the. The misconception that fat is bad yeah. still exists, and people are desperate to do something. People really want to take a pill. Um, it's you know, and that's why it's important for us to continue to talk on shows like this and try and educate. Because I would hate to have somebody have you know ass oil. Let's do an ass oil show, like just really kind of get into the. Because I think you should coin that term. Oh yeah, well I can't. He he owns it. I'm, I'm assuming. Oh, he trademarked it, huh? Yeah, I'm sure he did. <laughs> Straight out of the LDK. Well, I, I you now you were about to share a story. We ca- I wanted to stop you short because I want you to tell it uh, fresh on the on the mic. So you had you have, you've got some interesting uh, experiences as a, as a rep and some stories as well. Well, it, it, it's amazing how similar the story is, right? Because okay. it it was in the primary care setting. All right, it was a. Uh, you know, you described this as, as being a doctor friend of yours, sure. right? Same deal. I mean, this is a great relationship, Doc. Um, and, and the relationship is really important um, at launch, right? When you're trying to launch the drug, um, because relationship will, will typically, it, and it, it is, it's all, the caveat is it has to be a legitimate product. And, and, you know, my friend, this doctor would always say that if it's a legitimate product and you can show me legitimate data of how it's going to help a patient, then I will give it a try. Right. And that's, that's what you get from that relationship is that, uh, that initial trial at launch. Right. And this, this guy would always, would always give me a shot. Right. So I got my new product in my bag and it's an NSAID, right? So like, uh, Advil, right. It's a pain relief medication. And the medication had been out for a while, but they had reformulated it to be in a nasal spray, right? So uh, pain relief nasal spray is what we got okay. right, that we're bringing into uh, to Doc here. So we roll in there, and it's, uh, man, I'm so excited. I got something new for you. Uh, the, the, the old medication was not taken as a pill. It was taken as an injection. So that's why it was. That's why the nasal spray application was, was it, such a big deal. Was it Toradol? Yeah. So we're not gonna really uh, talk about what it was. <laughs> it's generic. Yeah. yeah. It yeah we're, not, we're not. We're not really gonna talk about what it was. But uh, rhymes with Coradol. Right. So anyway, I roll in with my new spray application pain reliever, and uh, I say, "Hey, doc, I got this new product. Here's the." Here's the data. This is why you want to use it. These are the patients that's going to help, you know, going through the whole thing. And he's like, yeah, man, I, I, you know, I really like that product. This new application might make it uh, palatable for more patients. I will definitely give it a shot. Uh, Any side effects similar to what 
you know, what, what side effects do I have? You're saying to, everything that you know, but that's all that you got. Well, and yeah. you know, it, it's on, it's very clearly stated on our uh, promotional PI. piece here, yeah. right here. Here is, you know, what you can expect, right? And to get to market, the market size, they have to list all side effects. But remember the studies, they, they may be of varying sizes. And yeah. so, and, and what people complain about and the tolerance of different people. So, well, and, and to be fair, this product had the way they had measured this side effect was in the percentage of patients that experienced it, but they didn't figure that the degree, oh. like what, like how bad it was, right? <laughs> so they just how many patients experienced but it? Only ten percent of the people have ass oil, right? A hundred percent of those people really blow it out. Yeah, that's what, I, and that's. And, and so that turned out to be the deal, right? So I come back in the next day, and I'm really freaking excited about, uh, you know, that, that he tried this product. And I come in, and it's like, hey, Doc, hey, Doc, how was it? And he's just laughing. He's just laughing. He's While like, you're standing there? Yup, yup. He's just laughing. And I'm this like, so similar. I'm like, dude, I said, what? I, I can't tell if that's good or bad. Are you laughing because you're so happy that this? And he's like, no, no, man. He goes, you got to watch this. And I said, what are you talking about? He's got a YouTube video loaded on his phone ready for me to play, right? So he plays the uh, the YouTube so video. So the person filmed themselves or how did this work? No, this was something that he had seen online, right? Oh. Totally. So it wasn't the patient, any patient that he'd given it to of his own, right? <laughs> it was just something, either he was doing his own research on it or whatever the deal was. <laughs> This YouTube video comes across. And so it's this gentleman standing in his kitchen and he's like, hey, I got this new product from my doctor. Watch what this does. Right. Like I had some elbow pain or whatever. So this is why I got this. And the dude shoots it up his nose. And I mean, instantaneous. It's like somebody standing across the room with a rifle. <laughs> he shoots it in his nose. Boom! Both hands go to the face. He hits the floor. And the dude is writhing around on the floor in pain. So we got to essentially what we filmed. <laughs> yeah, his wife, I guess. I don't know. But essentially, we have a pain reliever that causes more pain than what you initially had that made you take it in the first place. That is so brilliant. Yeah. No, but we want to know, while you were on the ground, did your elbow hurt? <laughs> yeah, that's really a, You forgot all about that yeah, elbow, so it works. It's yeah. effective, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many different stories like that are out there. That is crazy. I I don't know. You know what? Here's a, another funny story uh, that I had is I, I briefly worked uh, for another company. I, and, and just like you had mentioned, I think earlier that uh, to, to be someone who is experienced in the pharmaceutical industry, you've you got to grow some tough skin on how long your, your, your tenure is going to be with any particular company because they get acquired, they merge layoffs occur whenever people lose patents, there's all kinds of different things. So I had to move to yet another company. There's some lot of, I'm sorry to interrupt, but there's a lot of illogical moves that take place. Like I've had managers that one lives in Fort Worth, one lives here. They made them switch territories, even though so one had to now manage Fort Worth. It's just like it's weird what the what they do. I don't understand the formula either. It often feels like the, the directions coming from the northeast, where a lot of them are based, and then to them the south and west is just zip codes, and they don't realize how large they are. Yeah, and switching them can be <laughs> a and problem. It's, and it's inconsistent too. So you go from company to company, and they don't all do it the same way. That's that's the thing that's 
crazy to me, right? Is that it, there's not one formula for how all these companies operate, right? You go to one and one, and that's why you never, to your point, you never know what to expect. Yeah. Right? You never know what's going to happen. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry I interrupted. Oh, no, no, no. It's just, I think that now that the environment around the pharmaceutical rev, especially with the Pharma Act and, and the way that there's uh, the Sunshine Act and how everybody's uh, enforced the exchange so that they can basically preserve the integrity of the representation of the uh, medications. So is the environment because one of the companies I started with, there was two training sessions and I was, I went to the second one and we all heard about the first one <laughs> because the first one, everybody apparently showed up in, uh, it was, it was at a place in North Carolina in a research triangle. And, um, they basically had new rules that were written up for how they wanted people to conduct themselves at this meeting that they apparently didn't make clear at the last one. So they apparently, I think they brought in 20 something, uh, golly, no, no, 40 something people for the first training session. And uh, ours was about the same. But I think seven of those 40 weren't employed anymore by the time that we got there because they had partied too hard, f- uh, fallen in a pool. And, and all kinds of just crazy shenanigans all over this hotel. So, of course, they had to restructure the way that, that uh, and it, I mean, from what it sounds like, what had occurred before we got there was uh, the product, if you were going to make a movie about the, the wildness that could occur at a convention like that or a, tra- a sales training session, they had it. And so by the time we got there, they're like, we're all eating here. We're all going to do this. We're oh. all going to go to bed. And, in fact, uh, I think that was back when the, the Carolina hockey team was – was in the playoffs and they, the the Red Wings were staying at the hotel where we were. So it's pretty wild. But uh, anyhow, so the environment's changed quite a bit. But even when I did it, I was able to, to take physicians to golf. You can't do that. When I did it, everything was done on paper. I think everything that you do is tracked digitally through the computer, how many calls that you do. And it's it's far more of a science. Tell me about the story that you did where they were kind of forcing you to spend your budget. The much and, and, and it may be similar yet still different. So for me, they measured us by our activity on how involved were we in our territory. And a lot of that came down to your entertainment budget. You had a budget and you would think when you first got that, that meant, okay, this is my maximum number to spend. But that's not the game. The game was if you're not spending that budget and asking to spend a little bit more, you're probably not working hard enough. Well, my territory is rural and my market share at that time was great, and I really didn't have anywhere to do it to spend the money. But I got a call from my manager, like Eric. They noticed that you're not spending everything all you know in every month, at least this quarter. Can you make up or whatever? And I said, you know what? That's that's ridiculous. So, I just started going and buying tons of hamburgers, and I would go to the east side of Wichita Falls and hand them out to people who couldn't afford food. And so I did the same thing in Ardmore. I did the same thing in a bunch of the small towns that I was calling on. Well, what I didn't expect is one time I was handing out hamburgers in Ardmore and one of the docs I called on at the time drove by right before I went to his office and I went and I saw him. He's like, were you handing out all those burgers? And I was like, yeah. He's like, what are you doing that for? And I told him why I did it. And he said, that's the best use of a budget I've ever seen. Isn't that awesome? And then he moved. He didn't change classifications. He was already using a particular uh, type of medication that was just our competitor, but he moved over to using our stuff simply because I was using our budget to give to to people who couldn't afford food. Dude, I mean, quite honestly, I do that. I get, I mean, I realize that my staff gets to enjoy when uh, companies come in and bring us lunch and it's it's kind of a little pick me up for the staff. But man, if it's just me and the staff didn't enjoy it so much, I'd be like, look, just 
donate the money, tell me what you donated and we'll sit down and talk. Yeah. Because I, I get a little, I mean, and I was, I mean, come on, man. I called a guy up to take my three buddies out for a whole day. It's I'm living in a glass house. I mean, but as we age, we realize, wow, it's really, you know, you just start realizing that it, it comes back to a lot of people can't afford this stuff. You feel a little weird. We're, you know, but then the flip side of it, it, that's a way to get some samples where we can then give it to people that can't afford it at all. It's like the hamburger thing. You know, if you need this drug, the only way that I'm going to get it is by having somebody come to my office. I sign for it and then I can help somebody out that way also. And, you know, some of the cost of it is cooked into that. We only got 30 seconds left. So, uh, Travis, what do you, uh, what are your parting words of wisdom? No, I, 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 thanks for having me guys. This has been a blast. This is fun. You guys have a good time here, right? This is great. I hope if, you guys keep doing it. This is the it's first great. time we've laughed on the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, That's man, I sat in there for 30 minutes. All y'all did was laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Although, place. I think we had a couple firsts on show 18. We'll title this one Ass Oil. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 18. I love it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I love it. Hey, be sure to like and share Gut Check Project. Go to YouTube. Uh, go to YouTube, search for Gut Check Project, and then go to gutcheckproject.com. Let us know that you shared. We will see y'all episode 19. Have a great day. Take care, everybody. This is the only 24-hour, take-anywhere platform dedicated to food and fun. We're Spoonie. It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.